0: Today's message is from our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Please take a moment and prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Welcome this morning. We're glad that you're here. Glad that you're part of the exchange on this uh, holiday weekend, this long weekend. I'm actually uh, leaving as soon as church is over to go uh, move my parents. Uh, They got a house, their house finally sold after being on the market for a long, long time. And so they're moving up uh, with my sister. So I'm going to help them this afternoon. But I just did not want to miss the service for anything. So welcome. Listen, if you have your phones, go ahead and check in. All of our Facebook check-ins this month, we start a new month uh, in September. And all of our check-ins go to help provide a day of school. We're partnering with Haiti Partners. Uh, and so we're, we're helping provide a day of school Haiti, it, for those of you who may not know me really, really well, Haiti so, so, so important to me, so dear to my heart. Um, that's where I got my beautiful daughter from. Everybody, wave at everybody, Jenica. Jenica, we walk the catwalk for me, please, so everybody can see you. No? No? Okay. She's, she's got the political wave going. So, But uh, I, I just love Haiti, and so uh, this month, every time you check in, it helps us partner with with those uh, people in Haiti, and so we want to do that. But today we're starting a brand new series. Now before I go into the series, I just wanted to remind you, you saw the announcement video, but this week starts all the change. Tonight starts youth service, and Wednesday night at 7 o'clock for the first time, for the first time in a long, long time since the beginning, we're actually going to have something here on Wednesday nights for adults. So the youth is taking a new night, and that's freed us up to be here Wednesday night. So, man, I challenge you to be here. That All of our midweek services will be at 7 o'clock, uh, despite what you may have seen or heard anywhere else. It's 7 o'clock uh, midweek, so we want you to be a part of that. So, now that all that's done, you ready for the word? Mm. So today we're starting a brand new series, and, and we've just, you know, we enjoyed so much the last series, seeing as believing. That's that's been a blast, and and where God's kind of taken us as a church. But I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit and uh, and, and really speak something that I think is going to be really powerful. Uh, this series is called "You're Not My Boss." Everybody say that with me. You're not my boss. Yeah, don't look at your neighbor and say that. Don't. <laughs> No, 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 no. Don't look at your spouse and say that. This is not a spouse message. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to get me in trouble. Uh, this, this is kind of a how-to message. This is a how-to, uh, how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. How many of you know we all have emotions inside of us that are always competing for control, okay? Now, you have this in common with me because we probably all have this in common because I think it's a human nature thing. And if you don't have this in common, then I'm sorry. But I don't think anyone really enjoys being told what to do, right? I mean that's just human nature. Nobody likes to be told what to do, okay? In fact, if you're a parent, you really get that. As you're raising your kids, you find out real quickly at a young age that you have to discipline the no out of your children, right? Uh, I mean, a kid, that's most of their first word, no, no, and, and clean your no, you know, right? And so it's not just a kid thing. I think it's an adult thing too, but uh, none of us really like being told what to do but uh, the American dream the American dream is about having all the power and being in a position so that you can say no to whoever whenever right It's this autonomy, okay? You understand what autonomy is? That's kind of the American dream. And autonomy is is self-governing. It's basically being able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, having enough money to pay for whatever it is I want to do, and having enough money to get me out of whatever trouble I get into after I get caught doing whatever it is I want to do. That's autonomy self governing you could do whatever you want, and then you got enough money to get you out of whatever you weren't supposed to get into, and that's the power. That's, you know, and I'm not saying the American dream is to go do a bunch of stuff we don't want to do and then pay to get out, but I'm saying the autonomy, having that power, that we can make those choices whenever we want. Some of you in here, you're saying, you said we, we, so does that include you, Pastor Jared? No, this series is not for me. I'm above that. Yes, Absolutely absolutely. I'm, I'm talking about me too. Okay, we all, none of us want to be in a position where we're told what to do. Now, it's an alluring goal. We would all like to be in a, in a place and we would like to achieve uh, one day uh, a moment where we don't have to be told what to do. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, man, I would love to work for myself. Uh, one day, because I don't want—I hate working for somebody else. I don't want to be told what to do. And, but we're convinced, and this is kind of the tricky part. We're all convinced that once I can call my own shots, I'll call all the right shots. Not one, amen. Not one person really believe that, right? But we think that—that—that that, that when we can call all of our own shots. Then, then I'll call all the right shots. And, and I think that that's why we're so baffled sometimes. You're so baffled, I'm so baffled. We get baffled by people who have an extraordinary amount of autonomy, okay? People who have all the money, all the margins, everything that they want, that they need, and then they make some boneheaded decision and they pull the rug out from underneath themselves. They actually lose their own autonomy because of something they did. And we look at those people and we go, wow, what an idiot, right? Come on, don't get religious on me today. Today's not a good day to be religious. Okay, talk back to me. So, so my point, like, okay, athletes. Okay, have you ever noticed athletes, they get these billion, million and millions of dollars of contracts, right? And they're getting paid literally, I mean, some of them are getting paid a million dollars a month. Some of their contracts, that's what it amounts to. Some of them even more than that. And then they do something so dumb, so dumb that they lose it all. And you go, Poof. <laughs> if I was in that position, I would never, have you ever done that? Where you look at somebody who's got all the money and all that and you think, man, if I ever get there, this is, I'm going to do it this way and this way and that. That is so easy to say, and and, but there's this ickiness inside of us, and and we're going to talk about that because it's inside of me, too, Um, but I want to talk about what it means that if we had everything, how how do we not lose that freedom? Over the next few weeks, I think it's important to all of us, and and maybe it's true for you, but I, I wrote a a poem that I have that I think is going to help launch us into this series. It's going to tell us kind of where we're going over the next few weeks. And, and it really, whether you're a Christian or a non Christian, uh, no matter who you are, and we're going to talk about Jesus because Jesus actually has a lot to say on this topic. But we all struggle with something. This is something that we all intersect with at some point in our life uh, as it relates to not having anybody tell us what to do. So here's the poem. Our need for supervision may someday come to an end if we silence the toxic voices that come from within. Cute poem, right? So I want to say it again. Our need for supervision may someday come to an end if we silence the toxic voices that come from within. Now, here's the negative version just so that you know where we're going in this series. Our need for supervision will never come to an end until we silence the toxic voices that come from within. Because the truth is, and, and it's for all of us, is we don't get in trouble because we won't take advice. What usually gets us in trouble is we take our own advice. Not a lot of amens there. I'm gonna write that in my notes. I thought may I thought somebody would see that. But the problem is we take our own advice because our own advice is always, and get this, get this, as I say it, our own advice is always filtered through the emotions that distort reality for us. Okay? Or at least our sense of reality. That's why people look at you when you come out of a crazy season or whatever and they go, you did what? Have you ever come out of a season in your life, man, I am preaching to the choir right now. Have you ever come out of a season in your life where at the end of that season, you look back on what you just came out of and you go, I did what? Why did I do that? Why did I even say that? That was so dumb. That was so, you know, and we come out of those places and that's because our decisions, our thought process, they're filtered through our emotions and whatever our emotions are, they drive those decisions that we make. And they literally distort our view or they distort our sense of reality. So, so back to this series. This series is a how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. Because we're always, always battling those emotions. So I want you to just think for a minute. And this is just going to take a second. But what is... The primary emotion that you deal with, and you don't have to say this out loud and, and don't ask your neighbor whatever unless they want to just divulge information, but what is this primary emotion that stirs up in you the, the powerful emotion that, that competes for control in your life? Because we all have one. We all have a primary emotion that surfaces when when things are difficult. We always have that primary emotion that competes for control of what we say and how we say it and how loud we say it and how we act and how we respond and, and how we treat people. And it drives our behavior. And that becomes the filter for our motivation. So here's the thing. All of us, because we're all adults here, and we've all learned to monitor our behavior. We've learned to monitor our behavior in everything. So you want to get a job. You monitor your behavior, okay? You shape-shift it a little bit so that you get this interview, right? And then you get the interview, and they offer you the job, so you monitor your behavior so that you can get We do this when we're dating, okay? Okay, you meet somebody, you monitor your behavior, and you you adjust some things a little bit, and you get that first date, and it's awesome. And then you're like, I need a second date, so I gotta monitor. <laughs> and you monitor the behavior again. You get a second date, and then a third date, and eventually, maybe that turns into, um, maybe it turns into. My mom's calling me. She knows I'm at church. <laughs> Hello, mom. Hello? Did you just butt down me in church? Can I say that? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to let her say hi, but I guess she just, I don't even know where I was at. <laughs> so eventually that turns into engagement, right? And here's the sad part, is we've been monitoring so much, we got to keep monitoring, okay? And, and even when we get engaged, there's still things that we're hiding, And there's still some monitoring being done. And then we get married. (laughs) Believe it or not, there's still some monitoring going on. But the thing is, is that we've all learned (laughs) to monitor our behavior. But Jesus, and and I think this is why you should become a Jesus follower. Even if you don't know everything about the Bible, you're not sure about everything. You should follow Jesus because Jesus is so awesome. But Jesus invites his first century followers, and he invites second century, all all the century followers, he invites you and me to begin to take monitoring to a whole new level. And Jesus doesn't just want us to monitor how we behave, he wants us to begin to monitor what's actually going on on the inside of us, okay? Some of you are wondering where I'm going, I'm going to get there. In fact, Jesus, he gives us this suggestion, and, and to some people it's a suggestion, if you're a Jesus follower, this is more of a command, um, but it's really shaped my life, and when I got a hold of this and really grasped this and implemented it into my life, it changed everything. It changes the way you lead. It changes the way you teach, and, and I thought that I caught this years and years ago, and I did to a certain extent, but then there was a wall. Now I think that that wall has been broken, and I've really, really grasped what Jesus is trying to do. And it's changed my marriage. It's changed uh, everything, the way I treat my kids. And, um, and so, and Jesus said it. And whatever Jesus says, I believe, okay? I, I thought for sure that one would get, I, I was like, at least 15 or more amens. Because, listen. whatever Jesus says is true because if you can die and, and you predict your death ahead of time and then you die and you also predicted your resurrection and then you raise from the dead, whoever does that, I believe them from then on, okay? So I believe what Jesus is saying and so if Jesus, if what Jesus says is true then, maybe, just maybe, we all have some work to do, okay? So, I know when I discovered this principle, and this, this is the principle that really drives this whole series, so today's message is just setting up this whole series over the next few weeks, but it became a filter or a paradigm, it, it became the context, the culture of, of how I try to live my entire life. Sometimes I'm really good at this, sometimes I'm not, the, uh, I'll, I'll say some more stuff later, but we all have these toxic voices. <laughs> Thank you, Daryl. I, I was fixing to say something, but I, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip it. We all have these toxic, toxic voices inside of us that want to take control, and they communicate. They communicate with us, and if we're not careful, what happens is we latch on. We latch on to these things, and we begin to follow them, and they take us down very dark, ugly paths. But... Thanks to this insight that Jesus gives us that we're going to talk about, uh, he gives us some advice that will help us to really learn to monitor what's on the inside. So here's how the adventure begins, okay? So Jesus, he's hanging out with the guys, okay? He's hanging out with the boys. Uh, Now, when we, we talk about this, we talk about the the apostles, the apostles they're the chosen, okay? And then when we'll, we'll talk about the disciples, sometimes people get confused on, is that the 12, whatever. And, and this story, the disciples, he's talking about the crowds of people. There are literally crowds of people that follow Jesus everywhere he went because of what he was teaching, what he was saying. And they become disciples of Jesus. And so there's a crowd of people everywhere he goes. And, and Matthew is one of these chosen people. So Matthew's a part of the chosen group. We've been talking about John, you know, and John's God. John was one of those chosen guys. Peter is one of those chosen guys. And so if you grew up in church, you know a little bit about Matthew. Matthew didn't have the best start in his relationship with Jesus, okay? At the very, very beginning, it was rocky because Matthew was a tax gatherer, okay? He was a tax collector, which means a lot of things. One, it means everybody else hates him, uh, But except his wife, because he was rich, um, and that always helps. Uh, In his profession, he probably had a lot of people that worked for him. He had a lot of employees. In his profession, they were probably all men, and they all worked for him. And in that profession, they had working for them a lot of scribes, okay? Okay. So they had a lot of scribes working for him. And that's why it's cool when you think about Matthew's document, of the, the gospel, what we call the gospel of Matthew. It was really cool. It's probably easy for Matthew to document the life of Jesus because he had a lot of scribes that worked for him. And, and these scribes spoke Aramaic because that was the language that they were speaking. They could all write in Hebrew, and then they all could write in Greek, and so it was easy for them to translate and write these things, and so this is kind of how the story comes to us, and, uh, and also Mark, the gospel of Mark, he gets his information from Peter, but Mark mirrors and parallels the same story, so if you want to see this story, Mark also has it documented in his gospel, but here's what it says. This is Matthew chapter 15, verse number one. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked. Now the reason Matthew says this, and pause for a moment, is he's trying to let you know that they weren't coming up to meet Jesus to have just this conversation. They weren't trying to hang out with Jesus and just shoot the breeze. They were actually trying to trick or trap Jesus. Okay, they had an agenda. They had a very pointed agenda, and this question that they asked it was a setup. It was a loaded question and they said this why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders (laughs) they don't wash their hands before they eat now when we read this in modern context you think one of two things probably one you think really who cares what's the big deal the other thing you probably think is ew, (laughs) that's gross okay they don't wash their hands before they eat. That's, that was kind of my first thought. I know it makes me sound kind of girly or whatever, but I was, I was like, ew, gross, you know. But, uh, but water was hard to come by. So you didn't just walk into a bathroom and there's a water faucet or whatever. Water was difficult to come by. Most people had to carry and transport water, and so you just couldn't pour water. So it was not an easy, easy thing. But I want to explain to you why this is a big deal because this, and we've talked about this you know, in our Bible 101 series and and some of the other series that we've just recently done, we've talked about this, that the tradition of the elders in a lot of circles, it's referred to as the oral Torah, okay? So you got to imagine this. The oral Torah is basically, I I think I said this a few weeks ago, it's a fence that protects the written laws. It's an unwritten fence Because the oral Torah was forbidden to be written down. So Moses comes down from Mount Sinai, and he has the 10 written commandments, and then the other 103 written commandments. And then, supposedly, there was passed down from generation to generation to generation an oral Torah, which helped them keep the written Torah. Is that clear as mud? Okay, so I imagine it kind of like the game telephone. It's been passed down generation after generation after generation after generation. No telling what the oral Torah has had changed and turned into. And the thing about the oral Torah is only men knew it, and only a select handful of men knew it, and it was forbidden to be written down. And so Jesus, he wasn't having that, okay? Jesus was not putting up with that. The the oral Torah, the the tradition of the elders served as kind of a commentary. But what they began to do is they would pull it out whenever it was convenient. They pulled it out when it was convenient. And and they would always uh, just try to condemn and curse people based on this unwritten law, and Jesus just, he wasn't buying it. Jesus didn't believe it. He didn't believe in this secondary mysterious law that only a handful of religious people knew, and, and they knew what it was, and yet they were having a hard time keeping the written Torah. And so this oral Torah, what it basically boiled down to is they said this, the written law tells us that we have all these dietary laws, you know, what if you accidentally started eating, and you had stuff on your hands from work today that's part of the written law, and you eat, and it gets in your mouth, and you eat it, you're gonna go to hell, okay, accidentally, accidentally, because that's, listen, I'm telling you, this is the truth, and so this was, what if you accidentally violated one of God's laws as it relates to our diet? This is a big deal. Now, the problem with, with this little law and some of these non-written laws is they always made God seem so petty, okay? They make God seem so small, and so Jesus, he's not buying it, and this is what Jesus says to them, oh, Really? You know, he replies, why do you break the command, the actual written command of God, for the sake of your own traditions? In other words, see, you guys, you use these little things to manipulate people that every time they do something that you, want, you don't want them to do, you pull out this tradition of the elders or this oral Torah so that you control and manipulate people. And then he points to their own hypocrisy. Okay? Now, if you may have known this if you grew up in church, but he gives this really awesome illustration. He says, you have to use these unwritten, mysterious laws that only you seem to know in order to actually get around the written laws as it relates to taking care of your own parents. And when you do that, Jesus says, thus you, and this is in the middle of verse number 6, Matthew 15, thus you nullify the word, the actual word of God for the sake of your tradition. And then he says this, you hypocrites. You hypocrite. He's talking to the religious folk, okay? You hypocrites. And then he goes on, he says, Isaiah was right. When he prophesied about you. In other words, instead of doing what is clear, what is obvious, what everybody knows about, you have this unclear thing that only you know about, that only a handful of people know about, and you keep beating down all the time the, the people who are trying to live and follow the law. You keep beating them down with this unclear law that only you know about when you're breaking the own law. And he he says, you hypocrites. And then he goes on and he quotes the prophet Isaiah. And so this is is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He says this, these people, verse number 8, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. They're playing a game. They have turned religion into a game that they can always win. I don't need to tell you this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you anyway. Religious leaders have a tendency to still do that. Religious systems have a tendency to do that. Creating rules to a game. Taking the Holy Scripture and pulling something out of context Just enough to fit my personal opinion and mixing it with a couple of other scriptures, maybe in or out of context, just enough to make you feel so guilty. And as the religious authority in the house, it must be from, right? We do that. Religious people have done that for years. Now, I'm going to tell you, i do my very, very, very best to not do that. But that's kind of this tradition. That's this religious hypocrisy. And Jesus is going through this teaching, and there's a crowd there. And I love this because... There's a crowd there, and there's always tension in Jerusalem, right? We talk about this all the time. Jesus goes to Jerusalem, stirs a bunch of stuff up, and then he leaves. He goes back to Jerusalem, stirs a bunch of stuff up, and he leaves, and he comes back down to Jerusalem, and so he's always doing that, and so there's all this tension, and there's the law keepers there, there's all the religious people there, they're all around the temple, so it's just like a hornet's nest, and there's a crowd gathered. Jesus looks, and he sees the crowd, and and he's thinking about it, and he's so frustrated because he's saying that the religious teachers they've actually diluted the actual law that came down from Mount Sinai they've diluted it they're ruining what actually was given to Moses so there's this crowd there and Jesus kind of drops a bomb and then he mic drops I'm just going to pretend he did because if I was writing my version of the Bible (laughs) this is a mic drop moment here's what he said so there's a crowd there And uh, he says to the Pharisees, listen, 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 Linda, listen. He says, what goes in someone's mouth by accident, that's the inference here, what goes into someone's mouth by accident because they wasn't properly washed or they didn't wash their hands or whatever, he says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. Now, if you look up what that is, defile them, it does not put them at odds with God. Okay, what goes in someone's mouth, it doesn't put them at odds with God. God is not so small and so petty that you be at odds with God by accidentally putting something in your mouth. God is not a ha gotcha. Gotcha, I saw it. He broke, he did it, he did it, he broke it, he broke it right there. He broke it. That's not God. That's not how he is. God is not looking for some minor accidental breach of etiquette, okay? So Jesus, he says, listen, what goes in the mouth, that doesn't defile them. And then I imagine this. I imagine he leans in and he says, but what comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. (laughs) Boom, mic drop, and he walks away. Now listen. I I can't find all the proof here in the Bible. This is what I think happens. This is just my interpretation. He walks off, and the disciples go, what, what? To all the religious leaders, right? (laughs) Bam! Ha! Ha! It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles them, fool! See ya! And they're like, oh, yeah! And as they're walking away, one of them looks at the other, and he goes, we won, right? And he's like, I think so. That sounded like a win statement. I don't know. Well, what does it mean? I don't know what it means. What? what? Ah, ah. You do you know what it means? I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. I don't. What coming out of the mouth? What is he talking? About? I don't know. Just keep looking. You know. And it's this moment because they're still trying to figure out Jesus. They're still trying to figure out who he is anyway. They're trying to figure out what's going on. I mean, he hasn't died yet. He hasn't been raised yet. They're not 100% convinced he actually is who he's claiming to be at this point. So they're still trying to, to figure him out. And they have this kind of nah, 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 nah moment. And so, so they're walking away. I'm using a new program on my my iPad, and it keeps jumping on me, so I'm sorry. Apologize for that. So once they're clear of the Pharisees, they get away, and and there's the teachers of the law, and they come up to Jesus, and Matthew tells us this. Matthew says, we asked Jesus, we asked Jesus, Jesus, did you know? Now, that's a question you just never ask Jesus, right? Jesus, did you know? Because his response is always going to be, Jesus, (laughs) yeah I knew hello I'm Jesus. And they walk out to Jesus and they they're wanting they're still trying to figure out Jesus and ask him this question and they say this they say the disciples came to Jesus and they ask him, Do you know that the Pharisees back there were kind of offended a little bit offended when they heard what you said? you know, when you said what you said back there, you know, that moment, that mic drop moment. I mean, we're all in. We're all in. It was awesome. It was awesome, Jesus. Did you see that they were a little bit offended? I mean, just a little bit. Did Did you get that? And Jesus, he's like, listen, guys, leave them alone. Leave them. Listen, once upon a time, It was okay to follow those guys. They were following the the law of Moses, but they're, they're missing that. They've made religion into a business, and they're missing the point. And Jesus goes on. He says, leave them. They are blind guides. He is talking about the religious people. He's talking about the religious people. He says, leave them. They're blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. This was a, a common saying that he applied to a very specific situation. Now, here's the problem, and we're gonna get how this, we're gonna get to how this affects. Uh, me and, and affects you, but here's the problem. When Jesus said what he said about it doesn't matter what goes into the mouth, it matters what comes out of the mouth, not what you put in, it's what comes out, it sounded kind of like maybe Jesus was dismissing the Mosaic law, because, as it, especially as it relates to the dietary law, because he's kind of saying the opposite of what Moses said. And But that's not what happened, and, and so they needed reassuring because the disciples are a little bit confused because he's kind of a little bit dismissing what they thought Moses said, but he's not at all. Jesus never violated the law. He was always accused of violating the law, but he never did. He kept it perfectly, and so he's saying this. He says, it's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, But when he says that, it seems like Moses maybe had a different saying. So Peter, Peter's a little bit confused, and Peter's the crazy one anyway. And so Peter, I I imagine, this is my story. I mean, it's in the Bible too, but I believe he probably raised his hand. (laughs) You know, they just had this mic drop moment, and and Peter's probably the last one back to the group, because he's like, well, you know, he's making all these faces. But I imagine when Peter gets back, Jesus is saying this, and Peter says, uh, can you explain this this parable to us in Matthew 15, 15? Peter says, Can you can you explain what you just said? I, I mean, I know we were all cocky, we were with you. It looked like you knew what you were talking about. And when you said what you said, we were all in. I mean, we were in. We were like, Whoa, whoa, high fiving and all that, but we don't know what you were talking about. Okay? We don't get it. And and So it kind of sounds like you kind of were contradicting Moses maybe a little. Now, what Jesus says next, it sounds a little bit stern, maybe a little bit abrasive, but that's not the way I read this at all. The way I read this next statement is I believe Jesus looks at at Peter when Peter says, Can you explain this to us? And I I imagine Jesus kind of messing with his hair, rubbing his head. And he says this, are you still so dull? Now, the reason I don't think Jesus was abrasive and and angry is because what we're going to get to here in in a minute, I think it kind of explains that. But Jesus asked him, are you you still so dull? Really? Come on, guys, step up, pay attention. Don't you get it? And he stops and explains it. He says, I need you to hear this. I need you to pay attention. Now, you this morning, If you haven't listened to anything I said, I need you to listen to this because this is a part of the conversation where Jesus allows us to catch a glimpse into what is most valuable to him. And he he allows us to catch a glimpse of what is the most value to our heavenly father. In this next statement, Jesus tips his hat and it's no secret that he's trying to underscore Uh, this in a very, very religious environment, but he tips his hat to what's most important to God, what's most important to him, what should be most important to me, and what ultimately should be most important to you. Okay? And here's a little spoiler before I make that statement. God is not, and I I would capitalize the not right here, N-O-T, real big, bold, highlight, underscore, all that kind of stuff, God is not most concerned with how our behavior affects Him. So let me just say something about that. Then we'll move on. If you're a part of a religious system, any religious system, including Christianity, if you're a part of a church or a part of a system where someone stands on the platform with a microphone in their hand like this, and you think, wow, what a powerful speaker, what a dynamic speaker. It's got to be, it must be so anointed by, maybe it's not always. Maybe it's just they're good speaker. Maybe they just have a great personality to stand up and and talk to people. Maybe that's what, maybe it's not that everyone that stands up in the pulpit all the time is so anointed by, you know what I'm saying? But if you're a part of any religious tradition or religion where someone in my position stands here, and they tell you that you're not good enough or that you have to change this and change that, you have to act this way and you can't do this and all that to get God's approval for God to love you, run. That includes this church. Run. Run, because that is not Jesus. You've got to follow Jesus, because Jesus could not have been more clear about what he's about to say. And he was consistent throughout his entire ministry. Jesus was always, always consistent. He didn't waver up and down and up and down and up and down. And, and I got into a, a, a little bit of a discussion um, uh, with, I'm not even going to say, a, a religious person who came by and wanted to share the gospel with me. And we talked about this, and we started talking about the personality of God, and and Jesus was up and down and up and down. I said, no, 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 no. Well, God did this, did, no, 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 that's old covenant. That was, he had a covenant with himself, and they start mixing and matching, trying to see God in the old covenant as how he related to people. Didn't make any sense, and I said, no, 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 no. Jesus was constant. Okay? Now, get that in your head. I want you to really believe that with me. Jesus was always, he wasn't fickle. He wasn't confused. He wasn't. Waved. It wasn't. He didn't change like a chameleon depending on what crowd he was in. He was constant. The law of Moses it it was given, but not given to you. We were not a part of that law. It was never given to us. And so we try to do all these things to keep God happy. And this whole idea somehow got transferred to Protestantism and, and to churches and religions and denominations. And somehow we got shape shifted into this. We've got to keep all these commands and laws. And that was never intended for us. And then we start taking that law and tweaking and manipulating and we start controlling people. This statement was said to me and another pastor about one year ago, two years ago. We were talking about this gospel and the, and the grace of God. And the statement was made, but if we preach that, how will we be able to control the church? That was said to me by a pastor. How will we be able to control that our job? And listen, exchange, if you think for a second that I stand up here because I'm trying to figure out how to manipulate and control you, leave. (laughs) Run, because that's not the job of the pastor. So Jesus says here, he says, are you still so dull? Are you still so dull? And this is really cool. I think this is Jesus' humor, and I believe Jesus had a sense of humor anybody now for some reason when we read the bible when we read the gospels we like imagine soft music playing and and when we read the red letters we have to do it in like king james ith, and and we have to say at the end of everything we say you know and and and, like jesus had no personality no humor whatsoever because it's the bible and so we can't just imagine but i think jesus was freaking hilarious Okay? I think he was just the bomb. I, I just think he was probably the coolest cat ever to walk this planet. And so this is, this is Jesus' humor to me, but these are real people with real relationships. And so Jesus stops, and he says this. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the body through the mouth goes into the stomach and right back out the body? I think that when he says that, they probably, (laughs) he had a big grin on his face, okay? Don't you understand what I'm saying, guys? What I'm saying is that when you eat something, whether by accident or on purpose, it goes in your mouth, through your body, into your stomach, and then it comes right back out the body. Get it? Are you still so dull? And they probably start laughing. I imagine they're laughing at this point. They're like, ah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And Philip's probably like, yeah, I get it. Two times a day, I get that, what you're talking about. Peter's like, every morning, every morning, first thing I do, I get it. I get it. It is straight out. I get it, right? He's talking about having a movement. Don't be religious on me, okay? <laughs> Don't get all religious on me. He's like, what goes in, it's going to come out, Okay? They're like, ah, oh, and they're probably high-fiving whatever, you know. And then, and then I believe they laugh for a minute, and then he goes, whoa, whoa, hang on. And then he says this, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, you know, the other end, what comes out of a person's mouth, and listen, this is, that's, that's a whole nother story. Your heavenly father, he's not so petty that he's concerned with what you put in your mouth. He's, he's really more concerned with what comes out of your mouth. That's, that's kind of the big deal. And he uses this word that's kind of a religious word. And he says that, that's what defiles people. That's what puts people at odds with God. And this carries these religious implications because to be defiled is to be at odds with God. And, and you want to know what puts you at odds with God? It's when you're at odds with the people that God loves. That's what defiles a man. When when we are at odds with people that God loves, what comes out of their mouth is not the big deal. And, And God's more concerned with the you beside you and the you in front of you and the you behind you and the you at work and the you in the car next to you, the you that just cut you off in traffic. The next door neighbor you who's so annoying and, you know, God's, God's concerned. He's really concerned. And when what comes out of our mouth does harm to the people that God loves, Matthew's saying this is, he's writing what Jesus wrote. Jesus said that actually is what defiles a person. And he says, now, I know you've been following this law of Moses, but we're changing, we're changing all of that. That's over, but that's actually never been the case, you know, what goes into, that's that's all this unwritten stuff, so I'm not even about that. My main point is this, it's what comes out of the mouth, but that's really not even the main, main point, because there's a part of the verse that I left out for a reason, and and this is really going to kind of drive where we're going over the next few weeks. But the thing that Jesus really said here that's so powerful is this. He says, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the... So it's not just what comes out of a mouth. It's actually what comes out of the mouth that actually comes from somewhere. It originates somewhere is what he's saying. It didn't just like, whoops, came out. It originated from somewhere. And he says, that's actually what defiles them. That's what puts you at odds with God. The source of your defiling, the source of your offense, the source of your problematic words and and deeds, it actually starts within you. Now, When you hear that, you can respond a couple ways. Maybe you go, well, no, you know, yeah, you know, Pastor Jared, not not everything that I say comes from my heart, you know. Sometimes I say things that I don't mean. I think if Jesus were here, Jesus would probably push back a little bit on that statement and say, no, what you meant to say was sometimes you say things you didn't mean to say out loud. but the fact that you said it it came from somewhere oh, stepping on toes and in that moment when your behavior modification skills were weakened by an emotion or by a situation or whatever it may be whether you're in traffic or you're at home with the spouse and you're in this moment Of weakness. It starts showing. And then it comes out of you. Why? Because it is. Mm. Then he says this. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts. Okay. They originate from somewhere. Now, I don't know if he's talking about the heart. He's talking about this seat of emotion. Okay. So we're not getting technical there. But he's talking about they originate from something inside of you. And, and and they come out. I mean, have you ever, like, been in a fight with your spouse? And then j- right after you have this, like, out-of-body experience and you look at what you just said or did and you're like, where'd that come from? Why did I say that? And you just are like, you regret it so bad or you just can't believe that that happened. This is what we're talking about. He says, from within you come these Evil thoughts, for out of your heart comes evil thoughts. Murder. Did you know murder originates from inside? And then he goes on, he says, adultery. Adultery starts from the inside. He says, immorality, theft. False testimony, slander. And then if you flip over into the gospel of Mark, Mark, he's got his information from Peter. Mark is mirroring the same story. Mark adds a few more things that Jesus says. Mark says, Jesus said, greed. Greed originates from the heart. He, malice, malice originates from, and then he says deceit, envy, arrogance, and folly. I love that word folly. It's just a cool word. Do you know what folly actually means? Bad judgment. Okay? Some of you have a lot of folly in your marriages when you fight. Okay? When you fight, you use folly, bad judgment. Not a good way to fight, not a good use of your words. Okay? Choose your words, make wise decisions. Why did I do such a thing? Why did I say something? Why would I do something to undermine my own authority? It's the folly. And those folly things, they're embarrassing, despicable, uh, they're relationship killing, career killing, financially debilitating behaviors that we all face at times. And Jesus says though the source of those things come from the heart. He says these things in in Matthew 15, 20. He says these things. These are the things that defile a person. It's what puts you at odds with God. These religious rituals and traditions and all that thing. You know, I know it's probably meaningful for you. You've had these traditions forever. But that's not what puts you at odds for God. And you don't get credit, extra credit for following those things. It's kind of like. If you have any personal, you know, things you do, here, here's one of my, when I'm by myself alone and I have my quiet time, I like to pray on my knees. It's just what I like to do. It's harder now because I have a screw right here and, and I have to, you know, move my knee just right so that my knees not on that. But I like to pray on my knees. I don't know why. I just do. I think it really comes from my dad because my dad has always prayed. I've always seen him my whole life pray on his knees. At church, he prays on his knees. At home, he prays on his knees. And so for me, you know, but here's the thing. It doesn't get me extra credit with God, okay? God's not looking at me. He's like, "Ah, Jesus, come here. Jared's on his knees. And, and Tishan, he's, he's driving. (laughs) And he's got his eyes closed and he's trying to talk to us. (laughs) Can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. And Cola, she's just like singing. <laughs> she's singing and she ain't even, you know, she ain't praying. She ain't got her eyes closed, but but Jared <laughs> he's on his knees. He's on his knees. We're gonna give him whatever he wants. Okay? That's not the way it works. But you know what? It's not a bad thing. And 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 nobody could you know, you can't take it away and you can't discredit that I do it. It's not that big. It's for me. It's not this God moment. But we have these religious traditions that kind of start to get in our way and and my tradition of praying on my knees it doesn't win me points with God maybe it's meaningful for me and regardless of what religious upbringing is there there's probably traditions that are meaningful for you but they're for you and they're not necessarily for God don't let people discredit those things you know oh they miss church they miss church again Oh, my goodness, they miss church. God, Jesus, they miss church. They uh, they, miss, they miss communion. Oh, they been, haven't been having their prayer time, their quiet time. And we start to see all the, that's not the way God works. God is not that petty, okay? We are that petty. God is not that petty, It's not that big of a deal. Don't pay attention to those things. So here's what we're going to do for the next few weeks. And this is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be fun for me, especially just because I enjoy this. But we're going to practice monitoring. Okay? And and we're going to try to be good at monitoring. You're very good at monitoring your behavior. Look, you just did it. Half of you probably haven't listened to a word I said all morning, and you have sat there nice and quiet, and you just stayed in your seat. That's called monitoring your behavior. So round of applause. You. So, you did a great job. I appreciate that that you did. That's monitor. So we're going to try to monitor over the next few weeks, and uh, we're going to monitor the things that that are important to us. We're going to begin to monitor the source of the evil that sometimes comes out of us, okay? We're actually going to personalize some things. We're going to personalize some of the stuff that's inside of us that comes out of us, and we're going to learn to say this to those things. You're not my boss, okay? And and we all have those moments. I, knowing that I was going to preach this message, have been trying to say that all week long. I say it a lot, a whole lot. You're not my boss. When I I feel myself getting frustrated, I feel myself getting angry, I say, you're not my boss. And I take control, and I'm protecting and guarding what is inside of here. Anger, you're not my boss. Okay? I know that right now I'm justified in being really ticked off. And I said this in my truck this week. But anger, you're not my boss. Fear, you're not my boss. Intimidation, you're not my boss. Anxiety, you are not my boss. And we have to go through and we have to say those things. Can you imagine that what it would have been like if, if when we were in middle school or if we were in high school or in college, if we learned to monitor those raging emotions that came out of us, if we became good at monitoring those things? For some of you, can you imagine how different your upbringing would have been if your dad would have learned how to monitor his anger? Or if your mom would have learned how to monitor her anxiety or her fear? I mean, it just changes your whole life. And so we want to be able to begin to monitor those things. And and if you have kids, we got to teach our kids to monitor their heart. Shelly and I, we sat down with, with the littles this week. Jen was at work one night, and we sat down, and I said, "Let's. Sit. I want to talk to you guys. And Shelly and I, for the last few months, we've just really guarded our hearts. And we've had the best couple months of our marriage that we've ever had because we're really monitoring our hearts, everything that's in our heart. We're, we're really careful on that. And we sat down with the kids the other night, and I said, uh, I want to talk to you guys. I said, how was your day at school? And they said, good, good. And I said, did anybody make you mad? Did anybody hurt your feelings? Anybody saying? And Parker raised his hand. And he said, yeah. He said, when I was on the playground, he said, I was climbing up on the monkey bars, and this kid said, get down. You're stupid. And I said, well, how did that make you feel? And he said, it made me mad. I was like, okay. And, and so we talked about that for a minute, and I asked Peyton, and I said, what about you? And she said, well, I've been really sad at school. And I said, why? She said, because I have a friend and she sits by me and she's got a lot of hair on her arms. And she said, and all the kids at school make fun of her. She said, everybody picks on her and they call her hairy beast and this and that. And she said, it makes me sad. And I said, so that makes your heart sad. And she said, yeah. And so we started talking about that and what I what I was teaching them is We have to protect our heart. When people say things, when people do things, we have to be careful what we allow in to our heart because we know that what's in here comes out of here. And me and Daryl, we could be having a fight one day and he just ticked me off and he says something to me and he just really, really rubs me the wrong way and he makes me angry. And so it goes into my heart. And then Shelly comes home that day, and we're talking about something, and she says something that triggers that one thing in my heart, and I just pounce on her. And it's really Daryl's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, the thing about it is this, is we have to guard and monitor What's in our heart? And so we sat down with the kids and we told them, listen, when things like that happen, here's how we respond. And here's what I want us to do. We want to guard and we want to put the good things and put the good things in our heart. We want to filter and we want to not let those things that everybody else is doing and saying around us affect us because eventually it's going to come out here. And so all week long, they'll get into a fight and I'll say, Parker, guard your heart. And they'll stop fighting. It's like a miracle drug. And they'll stop fighting. I'm like, guard your heart. And he'll say something. He'll talk back to and I'm like, guard your heart. And he'll say, I'm sorry. Yes, ma'am. And I'm just saying that to say that with our kids right now, we need to begin teaching them how to guard the heart. Because it's not what goes. It's what comes out of the heart. And we need to be able to look at those emotions and say, You're not my boss, because the truth of the matter is, as Christians, as Jesus followers, we already have a boss of us. We have a better boss, a better boss than anger, and a better boss than envy, and a better boss than greed, and a better boss than lust. And and here's what that boss says to you, in fact, he says to all Jesus followers and to everyone at all times, and, and Matthew recorded this, but he says that Jesus says, come to me, listen, I, I'm the boss, you come to me, come to me, he says, come to me in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who are weary, okay, if you're tired of being bossed around by inferior bosses. Come to me if you're burdened. Come to me, all you who are worn out. You're successful on the outside and everything looks great, but on the inside, there's this raging insecurity, and it keeps coming out of your mouth in the way that you're treating and talking to people. Come to me if you're weary and burdened. And he says, and I will give you rest he says, I'm gonna give you something that none of the other bosses can give you. Greed can't give you, lust can't give you, anger can't give you, pride can't give you. I'm gonna give you something. If you'll come to me, I will give you rest on the inside. Isn't that awesome? If you, Jesus is saying, if you'll just come to me, I can give you rest on the inside. There's another time that it's recorded, Jesus says this. He says, my peace, I give it to you. I give it to you on the inside. Can you imagine what it would be like if we could live every day manifesting actually what Jesus is giving to us and we manifested rest and peace on the inside of us. Do you know what the outside of us would look like? I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I'm, I'm going to be real bold. And I'm going to make a statement here. But if you begin to manifest rest and peace. What Jesus is saying. If, if you're weary and, and burdened. Come to me and I will give you. If we could manifest that in our heart on the inside. Your marriage would change. You don't all have to nod your head. That's okay. I'm just, I'm just telling you. Your marriage would change. Your your job, everything would change. That, That co-worker that just gets on your last nerve. If we could manifest and guard what we allow in. Watch what we allow in because what is in. I used to say when I was a youth pastor, I said this all the time. Garbage in, garbage out. Okay? What goes in? will come out and so if we could learn to filter and only allow the the right things whatsoever things are pure and just and righteous and holy and good think on these things think on these things so guard the heart and perhaps throughout this series your need for supervision will finally come to an end once we help you silence the toxic voices that are raging from within. Maybe. Just maybe. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm gonna I'm gonna close this message for just a moment with a prayer for you. I want to pray for you, but I want everybody right now to think in your mind. You can can close your eyes if you want, but I want you to just imagine in your mind, I want you to think about the primary emotion that just, and it shows its ugly head often. Maybe you've already gotten kind of good at monitoring it and masking it or whatever, but you just feel it often. You just, things get on your nerves that should not be getting on your nerves and you're like, oh my goodness, why aren't things getting?" and and those things begin to make us make decisions that we shouldn't be making. We should not be making those decisions based on the emotions because they're filtered through that ugliness. So I want you to get in your head for just a second. What's your primary emotion? For me, I, ha- I have two. I have two that, that come to my mind that that always just try to show their face. I mean, just one of them here lately, and and I'm just going to say this because I want to be transparent and honest with you, but one of them lately that I've never struggled with before, but I've started struggling with it in the last two years is um, grudges. Man, I've never held grudges in my life. I just have not been a grudge person. But in the last couple of years, there's things that have happened that I started holding grudges. I was going to have a session with, with Na- Pastor Nathan this weekend, but I kept giving my session away because I want every one of you to experience it so bad. Um, and I was going to deal with that because I, I've just found myself getting hurt by people and burned by people and hanging on to that. And I've never done that before. And there's this emotion, and so I find myself real guarded, and I, I got to let that go. And it comes from this place in my heart, so I have to release that. And, and so think of that primary emotion for you, and, and I have two that, that come to my mind. And this morning, I, wanna, I want us to release those thoughts, those emotions to God, But but even more than that, I want us to really guard our hearts. Jesus, God, we thank you so much uh, Jesus, for who you are. I thank you so much for the gospels and the teaching, the life that's, that's been shown to us through these gospels and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, showing us your life and what, the, what you lived for us, God, what you modeled for us to live out. And I appreciate so much that, God, because Jesus, you were amazing you were amazing and you were consistent and and you were always always pointing us to do the right thing so Jesus I ask this morning that you help us with these emotions that that sometimes rage God these emotions that are always fighting for control in our life I ask God that that you help us to monitor those things not what's going in, God, but what's coming out that will check our heart and that we won't allow those things, that anger, that we won't allow rage, that we won't allow lust, that we won't allow greed, and we won't allow envy and deceit and malice and folly and and, and all these things, God, that we won't allow them into the seat of our emotion, into our heart, God. I'm gonna, have, but just put your hands over your heart right now. And we're gonna pray. God, I, I just pray for protection right now. God, Lord, I pray for a super, super, supernatural filter to go over our heart, God, that we guard it with everything that's within us, that we guard it with the people we're around, that we guard the things that go into our heart because we know that those things can come out, God. And it's, it's not about behavior modification, but it's about watching the things that we allow because those things can come right back out, Jesus. And and when those things come out, that's what defiles us because we, we become at odds with people. We begin to hurt people, the same people that you're madly in love with. So, God, I pray that, that we guard our hearts, that that we try our very best, that we don't become at odds with people, that we watch the things we say to people, that we don't crush people, and that in everything, God, we look back to you and we duplicate what you did for others, which is just a supernatural, unconditional love. We thank you for that, Jesus. We thank you for that, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Now listen, so your homework this week is not to call out your spouse every time that they haven't guarded their heart. Okay? So every time your, your spouse blow up blows up at you, don't go, ah, that's what Pastor Jerry was talking about right there. The heart, you got to guard it don't do that what I'm gonna ask you to do is guard your own heart okay guard your own heart this week talk to your kids about the things that are bothering them because there's things that happen at school that bother them and they carry that they'll carry that for years and it begins to dictate and and control decisions they make in their own lives so as parents, I think we have an obligation right now to monitor those things and help our kids know how to guard their heart. Amen? Amen. Man, I'm so glad that you're here this morning and uh, so good to see you. I pray you you be back next week. We're going to continue this series next week. Next Sunday is going to be so much fun because we turn four. Yay! We're past the terrible twos. <laughs> we're, we're past the whatever three-year-olds are, and we're ba- maturing. I was gonna say, maturing. That's real mature. We're maturing, and so we're, we, we turn four next Sunday, so be here. Like Adriana said, there's gonna be cake, and uh, we're hoping that cake brings you out here, and so wanna be a part of that. Listen, we thank you so much for everything you do for us and for the support that you give Um, to the exchange. Um, We believe in just giving out of generosity, not because I ever stand up here and I pray to God I never do this. I never want to stand up here and manipulate you and make you feel guilty for not giving. I just want you to go, you know what? I love my church. I love my church and I want to give what's in my heart to support my church and if you want to do that you can text give you can give on our app you can take an envelope there's boxes and for you can give there give on our website so there's several places that you can give but never feel like we're guilting you into giving we just want you to give jesus says he loves a cheerful giver cheerful giver and and so we just honor you for supporting of the exchange because I'm believing by the end of this year in December we're gonna we're gonna be able to make a commitment to buy this property. I am still believing, still believing, still believing, don't stop believing Can y'all play don't stop believing I, I just got a feeling. I need to sing it right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just just kidding. I used to hate it when I was playing the guitar, and some guy would say, hey, will you play that song? I'm like, no, I don't know that song, so I'll just... Anyway, hey, Father, thank you so much for this amazing group of the greatest people I've ever met in my entire life. God, I just pray blessings over them, over their family, over their finances, over their jobs. God, over their kids and over their marriages right now, Jesus. Lord, I pray that in everything we do this week, we honor you. And we just give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. If you believe us, shout amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.